All right, welcome back. You had to be there. Sorry for the delay. This is episode nine, and the title of it is The Midnight Coal Company. This story takes place about, I don't know, maybe one semester into college for me. Um, I started a little bit after my friends that are involved in this story. In this story, it's me, uh, my buddy Zach, uh, you know, my lifelong friend. Uh, Tracy plays a very small role in this story. A kid named Garrett, um, Allison, and the rodeo, um, which is where Allison lived in college. Anyways, okay, so here we go. Zach and I have always been very enterprising young men we've always had big dreams and ambitions of you know not necessarily being the richest dudes in the world um but definitely uh we've always had a very good understanding of where we would like to be in our lives and what we consider successful and you know putting in the work and doing what it takes to get there uh and you might excuse me you might be wondering what that could mean to a college kid at the time. Well, this is what it means. It meant that one day, Zach and I watched the movie Lawless, which is a movie starring Tom, oh, Tom, Tom, well, Tom Hardy, Shia LaBeouf, and, uh, what's her name? What's the girl's name? Uh, Jessica Chastain. Um, and, uh, it's set in, I don't know, maybe the 20s or so, and they're moonshiners, and uh, they run a great moonshining outfit. So, anyways, we watched that movie, and we were literally like, you know what, it, it cannot be that hard to make moonshine. It can't be that hard to make your own alcohol, and uh, at the time, Zach was living in a small apartment complex uh, called Poplar Place um, over in Kennesaw. And so we were like, okay, but how can we make this work? Like, cause you know, they have like very, very big setups and we were like, okay, we need to scale this down, but still make it doable, I guess. And we literally had no idea how to do anything. So we're Googling stuff, you know, how to make mash and what is mash and, uh, you know, everything involved with the process. And so we, um, we are walking through Home Depot one day. We're like, okay, let's, we know all the, we basically know all the things we need. We're going to need something to, uh, I guess you could say, uh, distill it, um, uh, which involves, you know, pressure and, uh, uh, creating steam and we know we're going to need some type of worm, uh, which is just like a big, long, uh, I guess you could say, pipe or tube, uh, running it through a cooling system, which is going to um, turn the steam back into liquid. And that is going to go into the jar. And that is effectively what makes uh, the alcohol, alcohol, well, Obviously, it, that's not what makes the alcohol alcohol. Fermentation does all that, but that's part of the process of making it. So <clears throat> we had an idea of how to do that, and so we're walking through Home Depot, and like any other smart, enterprising 
uh, person would do instead of trying to pay for it ourselves, whether or not we believed we could actually do it and maybe we just didn't want to lose our own money. Uh, we enlisted the help of our dear friend Tracy, who shelled out, shelled, who shelled out the whopping thirty dollars for our ten foot copper tube that we would use as our worm um, in our distilling process and a five gallon uh, bright orange Home Depot bucket. Then I believe I got a giant almost kind of like a stainless steel to uh stew pot or you know kind of one of the big like you know it's um it has the flat uh stainless steel lid on it and so while we were in home depot we knew because everyone rec some people were recommending like pressure cookers and stuff like that and i was like well we can make our own pressure cooker it's just gonna be kind of dangerous um but we can use this giant stew pot i have uh with the removable lid we'll just drill a hole through the top of it so we can put a uh thermometer and uh so we could have the worm coming out of it and we'll just seal that up with like some jb welder some kind of gasket or something like that and uh we'll just use some little one dollar kind of vice clamps from Home Depot. So I think we, actually, we might've actually got those just out of Zach's truck because he's been in construction. So he has a couple of vice clamps laying around. And I think we literally had like three, maybe four. I know there wasn't a lot and I knew I would periodically like check the pot out of paranoia thinking like, oh, we're like leaking, you know, this and that over into the, um, you know, the thing and it's not creating enough pressure or it's creating too much pressure and these clips are about to just start popping off because a couple of them did pop off. I remember at some point, whether or not it was because we were moving around the pot or not, it was still scary nonetheless because we thought it was about to explode. The one thing that was kind of a safety measure that we were doing and we kind of knew we had a little bit more, uh, it wasn't a safety measure because we actually had no control over it. But the only thing that ended up being a safety measure for us, coincidentally, was Zach's kitchen stove was electric. And uh, so it did not, it didn't burn gas. It had no open flame. So we're literally setting down this giant uh, metal stew pot on top of a, just a, um, just a metal ring stove. So that actually ended up being the safest thing about this whole process. Not to mention, Zach lived directly below a cop, I'm pretty sure. And so out on the back deck for a week, or like seven to 10 days, we had two five-gallon plastic water jugs uh, just fermenting our, <clears throat> um, our mash, which was just a mix of, you know, rye and corn and all that other stuff. And uh, the yeast and what's not like, <clears throat> like actually coincidentally, we went to a, uh, we went to a kind of like a high scale, yeah, high scale, um, beer store where, you know, people do home brewing and stuff like that. Cause it's not illegal to brew your own beer at home as long as you're not selling it and stuff like that. So we popped in that store and that's where we bought all the, the, uh, uh, we had the, turbo yeast and um, cracked rye and then we had some rye that wasn't cracked that we cracked ourselves 
we went into Walmart that night before we started making the mash, and I swear to everything I love, we bought every single ear of corn that they had in that Walmart for like, I don't know, like 50 or 60 cents an ear or something like that. <laughs> and I hate corn, like with a passion. But there I was, you know, literally, uh, is it called shucking? Shucking it? Like, you know, you're pulling the wrapper off of it and then also... um like literally just using kitchen knives to just shave all the kernels off of it and um, mix it in this big pot and then put it into this thing. And then you have to cap that and put a little bubbler on it. And so that helps like gases escape. I ended up learning a lot about the alcohol making process a lot more than I thought I would learn because we went into it thinking it was going to be super, super easy. And then we came out of it knowing that it wasn't and knowing that what we did was probably way more dangerous than we actually uh, had thought to begin with because we made just straight up, you know, single distilled, um, clear corn whiskey, corn rye whiskey, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we tried to figure out how to proof it and stuff like that. And we did the flame test on it. And I mean the flame burn until, I mean, I'm not kidding. I saw dishes where the flame would burn for minutes on a, at a time, not even a, like not seconds, like the flame would burn for minutes straight. So we knew I was estimating that without cutting it, like just straight from the worm, I was estimating that it was probably around like 90 to 95% pure, um, which was all. So we probably got about, <clears throat> I don't know, three or four jars of just absolutely pure uh, alcohol. I wouldn't even call it whiskey at that point. It was just straight alcohol, and um, which is very dangerous. And, you know, um, looking back at it, it definitely wasn't the most well thought out thing, especially since the next part of the story involves us selling it to people. So... <laughs> We realized that we had to cut it. There's no way we could get away with just giving people that kind of uh, thing, especially like with all the horror stories of like, oh, moonshine, like make you go blind and this and that and the other. And so we're like really paranoid about it at first. And it took us a long time to find someone who would taste test it. And I'm pretty sure David Peterson tested it first. And, um, and then Zach may have had a sip. See, this was well before I started drinking. So I wasn't even trying it. I was literally just making it. And guessing like, okay, yeah, I think this will work. I think this is toned down the level of alcohol in it. Um, we went and bought uh, canned apples and uh, cinnamon sticks and we made some apple pie moonshine, I guess you could call it. And uh, really, it, it just looked like garbage. I mean, it, it, like as soon as you drop the cinnamon stick in it, it would just start to disintegrate and all like gather up at the bottom and whatever. So we ended up stretching out these three or four jars to probably like, I don't know, six to eight jars. We had those and then we had some that were just cut with water, basically. I mean, I hate to break it to you. All alcohol is cut with water. Um, and so, yeah, so just thinking, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe we'll put half and half, half water, half uh, moonshine and we'll, we'll call that, you know, something odds are it was still very, very, very strong. So 
Anyways, this was all part of a business plan. Um, this was never for personal use. Um, Zach and I agreed, like, you know, neither one of us would drink it. I think we gave a jar to David. We experimented with some, like, raspberry flavor, too. And I know we gave him that jar as well. Uh, but the actual plan was, was we knew there was a pregame coming up at our friend Allison's house um, for some sorority event. And we were like, dang, man, it would be kind of cool if we just showed up with like a jar or two and managed to sell them. And so we brought all of them because, you know, we were just riding. We had just had them, you know, and uh, walked inside with like one or two. Actually, I don't even think. Yeah, we did. We walked in with like one or two and Zach had it like basically cracked open. And we're like, OK, this is going to have to be like the taste testing jar. Like, you know, if someone wants to taste it. You know, we're not going to keep cracking open jars and then not buy it afterwards. So we had one jar that was just strictly for people to be like, yeah, let me try that or whatever. <laughs> like knowing they're never going to buy it. So the first couple of people tried it and they passed on it. And then I remember the next person was like, oh, yeah, that's actually like really cool. And I think he was just trying to be like the cool frat guy that was, you know, down to do anything. And he's like, yeah, like, are you selling that? Like, how much is it? And I was like. I uh, just kind of like looked at Zach for a second. I was like, uh, 20 bucks. And he's like, oh yeah, that's straight. And literally just handed us a 20. And I was like, all right, uh, give me a second. I'll go get you a fresh jar. And so I went out there and I got him one of the apple pie ones. Boom, drank it, whatever. Fast forward to the rest of the night. We literally sold like all six or eight jars or however many we had, including the taste testing jar. I remember we sold that one and I, I literally was talking to the guy and I was like, yeah, we're literally out. So, I mean, I don't really feel good selling you something that people have been drinking out of all night. And he's like, oh no, it's no problem. He's like, there's over half of it left. He's like, it's not a big deal. And I was like, all right, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And he literally just floated me a 20 and he's like, all right, sweet. And so he just took it and we were sold out or whatever. I don't know if that I can't remember if we ended up going to that event or not, but I remember hearing back like later that night. Um, we grew up with this guy Garrett a little bit. We didn't grow up with him, but he was like kind of in our friend circle, and um, he uh, he was at the pregame, and I remember hearing a story the next day <laughs> where somebody was like, "Yeah, Garrett got so drunk that he just like went in Andalyn's bedroom, uh, Allison's roommate." And just peed in her closet all over her clothes. And I was like, dang, dude. I was like, that guy has, like, no regard for what's going on. And they're like, no, he got really drunk off of, like, he said he bought some kind of, uh, he just bought some alcohol off of somebody randomly at the party. And I was like, well, I remember being like, well, I didn't sell that to Garrett. And um, uh, I'm trying to think. I think he third party bought it from someone else is what happened either that or zach sold it to him because uh, we kind of split up in the night and we're kind of just like hey i'm gonna get rid of mine you get rid of yours and so garrett either ended up buying it third party from someone because he just i don't know that's just the way he's been i guess and uh or zach sold it to him and i didn't really think anything about it but yeah apparently it went over well and uh to be honest uh what made it so fun was doing it in that like tiny apartment and kind of knowing, you know, I guess sort of like the risk factor. And I say, you know, I started this saying like, well, you know, we've always been enterprising young men, 
But I really don't think that was the case. I think it was more about the adventure and to see if whether or not we could do it. Because once we proved to ourselves that we could, I mean, we made like 180 bucks, 200 bucks that night and just split it. Never paid Tracy. <laughs> I don't think. I, ne- I don't think we ever paid our investor Tracy back. So I apologize for that. Um, and so, you know, because she's been ride or die. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah, it was just one of those things where it was. I think it was more about the adventure, uh, in the end, than it was so about making money. Uh, because when he moved house, when he moved, he moved out of that apartment complex into a house. The allure just wasn't there anymore. I remember we were thinking about doing it at his house, but then it was almost like it was too easy. Like there was no challenge to it, and. Like, it was very obvious that, like, we had the means to do it. We brought the still and the uh, mash jugs to that house and stuff, but we just never um, never went through with it again. Um, so if you ever, if you're interested in some homemade uh, liquor from yours truly, uh, just let me know. Um, that is the story of the Midnight Coal Company, which is what we thought we would call ourselves because we stole that from that movie Lawless. Uh, that movie made us feel really cool. And uh, yeah, I think we felt cool too. Um, so yeah, cool. Yeah, hey, whatever. Might do a limited edition run for you guys if you want something. All right, I'll see you. Peace.